if you knew that it was going to rain, like, I mean, you looked outside and you saw the storm clouds coming on the horizon, and you decided in your mind, you know what, I'm going to go wash my car. <laughs> That'd be kind of pointless, wouldn't it? It'd be kind of useless and a waste of time to go and wash your car, knowing goodness well that it is getting ready to pour down raining. It would be useless and a waste of time and a waste of energy. Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, he uh, he tries to emphasize the senselessness and the meaninglessness of the Christian life and life in general if there is no resurrection from the dead. Because, friends, the honest truth is that if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then Christianity, the church, the things that we are doing here now, the things that we, the way that we live our life, if Jesus hasn't raised from the dead, all of it is meaningless and pointless and a waste of time. Last week, we saw that we can be identified by, we can identify a tree by its fruit. And we ask, what does your fruit say about your roots? And we also saw that Jesus can and does change our roots, change our hearts. And when he does, our fruit then will follow. Over the last number of weeks as we've been studying through Matthew, we have seen this kind of ongoing confrontation happening between Jesus and the Pharisees. And once again, we're going to see today, the Pharisees will come and and will challenge Jesus, asking him for yet another sign to prove who he is. But Jesus is only going to offer them the sign of Jonah. And the reality is his resurrection changes everything. And so we're going to ask, has it changed everything for you? So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to the book of Matthew in chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table that you can borrow today. Or if you don't own one, take one home as a gift from us. Matthew chapter 12. We're going to start there in verse 38. Matthew 12, if you're looking for the book of Matthew in your Bible, it's on the right side. The Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It comes right before the book of Mark, uh, if you're looking for it. Matthew chapter 12 is where we're going to be at this morning. So if you're there, please read along with me. We'll have it up here on the screen too. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. It says, Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation ask for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was uh, three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it for they re, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, as we have seen over the last couple of weeks, were part of the religious uh, ruling group in Jerusalem and in Judaism at that time. And, and the Pharisees at this point had been given... Uh, many different signs by Jesus, 
uh, to show who he is. And they begin to have many opportunities to repent of their sins and to begin following after Jesus. But because their hearts were hard, they didn't want to accept those signs. I mean, they had seen Jesus heal the sick. They had seen Jesus cast out demons. They had seen Jesus raise the dead. But this wasn't enough for them. They wanted still more. At least they said they did. But really, they didn't. They didn't want anything else. They said, give us another sign, they demanded. And Jesus knows that no matter what, Many of these Pharisees and religious leaders still won't believe and follow after him, even if he were to raise from the dead. And so Jesus tells them, the only sign that I will give you is the sign of Jonah. Now, maybe you're familiar with the story of Jonah. The Pharisees that Jesus was talking to and the religious leader, the the teachers of the law that Jesus was talking to, were very familiar with the Old Testament prophet of Jonah. In the Old Testament, Jonah was called by God to go and preach to another race of people, a people that were the Ninevites. They were not Jewish in their nationality. And they were not only uh, not Jewish, but they were also known for their wickedness. And Jonah hated the people of Nineveh, while at the same time, Jonah knew that if the people of Nineveh actually repented of their sins, he knew that God was merciful and that God would forgive them of their sins. And so instead of going to Nineveh and telling them to repent, he runs in the opposite direction. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that God sent a storm and then a huge fish to get Jonah back on track. Jonah then spends three days and three nights in the belly of the the, the fish, and he finally reluctantly agrees to go to Nineveh. Jesus says, in the same way as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, that he would spend three days in the heart of the earth. Jesus is talking about his upcoming death and ultimately about his resurrection that will come. This would be a sign that Jesus was who he said he was. This is the only sign that Jesus offered these hard-hearted Pharisees and teachers of the law. But it's this sign of his own resurrection from the dead that changes everything. And yet, even with his own resurrection, some of those people still won't believe that he is the Son of God. And the truth is that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything, but people still have to choose what they will do with Jesus. And what we see from the very beginning is what we see still today, that some accept Jesus, they believe that he is who he said he was, They repent of their sins and they follow, and yet others just walk away from Jesus. Just walk away from him. Jonah, after spending three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, reluctantly goes to Nineveh. But Jonah, because he hated the Ninevite people, he doesn't give them a message of hope. (laughs) Forty days and you'll be destroyed. That's all that Jonah says to these people. 
he did not want them to, to come to repentance. And so he just tells them, hey, 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. And even without this message of hope, even with this angry messenger, the king of Nineveh and all of the people of Nineveh repent of their sins. And now here in Mark chapter 12, the Pharisees have something greater than Jonah with them. And so Jesus tells them that the people of Nineveh repented even with this reluctant preacher coming to them, this bringing this message of not of hope. He says something greater than Jonah is here. And even with Jesus overcoming death and sin through his resurrection, and even though Jesus brings a message of hope, still people don't repent and follow him. And friends, the same is true today. Jesus is greater than Jonah. And as we're going to see, Jesus is also greater than Solomon. And you, just like the Pharisees and just like the teachers of the law and just like everyone else who has gone before us, you have a choice before you. The greater one has come, so what will you choose to do? Will you accept him and follow or you reject him and walk away? Jesus continues in the next verse, in verse 42. He says, The queen of the south will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through the arid places seeking rest and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house that I left. When it, is, when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. And then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of the person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. Jesus tells the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, he tells them that something greater than Jonah has come. Something greater than even Solomon has come. And Jesus has shown that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, and he has proved it by his own resurrection. And so, like the Pharisees, you have a choice. Will you accept Jesus? and repent of your sins, and follow him? Or will you reject him and walk away? The mid-19th century Scottish preacher John Duncan said this about Jesus. Said that either Christ was either, had either deceived mankind by conscious fraud, or he himself was deluded and self-deceived, or he was divine. Duncan said there's no getting out of this trilemma. C.S. Lewis put it this way, that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or he is in fact the Lord. And the sign that he offers the Pharisees here in Matthew 12, the sign of Jonah, his resurrection, prove that he indeed is not a liar 
or a lunatic, but they prove that he is the Lord. Sometime later, after Jesus had risen from the dead, Peter stands up before the group that had gathered there on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And as he is there, he is sharing with them and telling them about who Jesus is. And he gets up and he begins to talk to them. And maybe even some of them were the same people who were having this confrontation with Jesus here in Matthew 12. And this is what Peter says about who Jesus is in Acts chapter 2, verse 22. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did among you through him as you yourself know. The Pharisees were asking for signs, but Jesus had already given them so many, right? Verse 23, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God, I love those words, raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Friends, Jesus has proved that he is the Son of God by the miracles that he performed, by the wonders that he did, by the signs that he gave. And then Jesus did die on the cross. Even though he was without sin, he still died. And friends, if this was the end of Jesus' story, then he was either a liar or a lunatic. He was either deceiving people or deceived himself if Jesus' story ends with his death on the cross and being buried. But friends, his story doesn't stop there. Because he offered the sign of Jonah. Three days later, after being dead, Jesus rose from the dead. And this changes everything. Peter goes on to tell the people who are listening there, what does this change? What does this mean? In verse 36 of Acts 2, Peter continues and says, Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. Be sure of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Friends, because Jesus has been raised from the dead, he has now become both Lord, boss, master, king over everything, and he has become the Messiah, the one sent by God. It is impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. But friends, even, even like the Pharisees, even like the people of today, people of always, when they are faced with who Jesus is, are faced with a choice in how they will respond. And honestly, it wasn't any different that day that Peter shared that message on the day of Pentecost. Look at verse 12 of Acts chapter 2. It says, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? That day, the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles, 
in flaming tongues, and they began to speak in languages they had never studied before. And the crowd was amazed and perplexed, and they asked, what does this mean? But look at verse 13. We see two responses. Some, however, made fun of them. They've had too much wine. Some were amazed and followed Jesus. Others rejected and mocked and walked away. For those who listened to Peter's message who, about who Jesus was, many of them, the Bible tells us, were cut to the heart. They were convicted of who Jesus is. And they said, Peter, what should we do? And Peter tells them to repent of their sins and to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people that day there in Jerusalem, that heard this message about who Jesus is and about his resurrection, 3,000 people were baptized that day and followed Jesus. But if Jesus hasn't given us the sign of Jonah, if he hasn't really risen from the dead, then what those people did in Acts 2 and what we're doing here is meaningless. And this is Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. He says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection from the dead also comes through a man. Friends, Jesus has indeed risen from the dead, and we indeed have forgiveness from our sins through him. We indeed have hope, not just for this life, but for the life to come, because Jesus has been raised from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. But friends, has it changed everything for you? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they wanted, they wanted more signs because their hearts were hard. They weren't willing to see truly who Jesus is. So they kept asking but Jesus only offered them the sign of Jonah. But what they didn't realize was that the sign of Jonah would actually change everything. But friends, has it changed everything for you? The Pharisees and many others have walked away from Jesus, not being changed. And oftentimes they walk away because of the hardness of their hearts. And so, friends, this morning I want to share with you just a few steps that we can take to allow God to give us a new heart, to allow God to break the hardness of our heart. Friends, if we want to make sure that we don't get a heart of stone like the Pharisees had, we must confess our sins. We must confess our sins. 
John tells us that if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us of our sins. James tells us that if we confess our sins to one another, we will find healing from our spiritual sickness. Friends, here at Journey Church, we build strong relationships with each other, walking side by side through the messiness of life with prayer, accountability, and encouragement. Friends, if we want to make sure that we don't get hearts of stone like the Pharisees, we must confess our sins to God and we must confess our sins to each other. Listen to what Proverbs 28 verse 13 says. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God. But whoever hardens their hearts falls into trouble. Friends, if we want to make sure that we don't get hearts of stone, we must confess our sins to God. And we must confess them to each other. And not only do we need to confess our sins, but we also must fill our heads and our hearts with God's word. The writer of Hebrews tells us that God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword and it cuts as deep as bone and marrow. It cuts as deep as the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. God's word cuts us, not just what appears to be on the outside, but cuts us to our motives and our intentions. Paul tells Timothy that God's word is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, here at Journey Church, we want to grow together in Scripture. We want to not only fill our heads or our minds with God's Word, but we want to allow God to work in cutting us and working us and breaking the hardness of our hearts and moving us not just to have knowledge, but to move us to obedience. And this is why one of our goals as a church here is to be like the Brians. And this is why, for the last number of weeks, I've been asking you guys, how, did, how much did you read God's Word last week? Were you engaged in Scripture more last week than you were the week before? Because if we want to make sure that we, like the, like the Pharisees, don't get hard hearts, don't get hearts of stone, we must fill our heads and our hearts with God's Word. But it can't just be knowledge. It has to be followed with obedience. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119.9, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. So friends, whether you are young or young in spirit, how can we stay on the path of purity? By filling our heads and our hearts with God's word and by living according to it. Friends, if we want to make sure that we don't get hearts of stone, we must confess our sins to God and we must confess our sins to each other. We must fill our heads and our hearts with God's word and we must live it out. We must obey it. 
Friends, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. But if our hearts are hard, we won't, it won't change us. It changes everything. But friends, has it changed everything for you? Jesus wants to take your hard heart, your heart of stone, and he wants to give you a new heart today. He did die, not because he deserved it, but because you and I do. And he has been raised from the dead. And because of his resurrection, you too can have forgiveness of your sins. You too can have hope, not just in this life, but in the life to come. So friends, won't you come today and allow the sign of Jonah, the resurrection of Jesus, to change everything for you today. Jesus wants to give you a new heart. Will you let him? Will you pray with me today? Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that it cuts us. Not just what it looks like on the outside, but it cuts down to our core of what our intentions are. So, Father, help us to fill our heads and our hearts with your word so that it can seep down in through who we are and come out in our obedience to it. Father, help us to confess our sins to you, and we thank you that you are faithful and just, and you will forgive us. But, Father, we thank you that you have given us each other that we can confess our sins to. And we thank you that you use this prayer and accountability and encouragement to to soften and to break up the hardness that comes on our hearts because of sin. And, Father, we thank you that your son wasn't a liar And he wasn't a lunatic, but he truly is the Lord. And he has proven it by being raised from the dead on the third day. Father, for those of us who have been changed by the resurrection of Jesus, would you you help us to go and to proclaim it to our coworkers and to our family and to our neighbors and help us to show it through the way that we obey your word. And Father, for those that are listening this morning that have not been changed by the resurrection of your son Jesus, Father, would you call them to yourself today? Would you lead them to come and to offer their hard heart to you so that you can put death to death sin in their life so they can become new through your son today? Would you call them to yourself? Father, we thank you as your church that you have given us this time that we're getting ready to move into of communion to remind us of the sacrifice and the price that your son Jesus has made on our behalf. So, Father, as we prepare now to reflect, would you remove all of the distractions? And, Father, help us to come and as we we read in, in John's word, help us to come and to confess our sins to you now so that we can find your forgiveness and help us to remember the price that has been paid for it. And we ask all of this in your precious son Jesus' name. Amen.